the Saturday, August 5th MLB betting picks show edition of the MLB gambling podcast on the sports gambling podcast network is brought to you by our Patreon score exclusive perks, content and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a prize of $1,000 join today at sports gambling podcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, August the 4th, currently 5.04 on the East Coast, here to give our lock, dog, and totals for the Saturday games. And joining me, help me to break it all down, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA Gambling Podcast, NBA, NFL, and of course, you're on MLB. It's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, where's the tux, my man? Uh, Tux is currently in my closet over there, but <laughs> I was rocking it. The Barbie movie was very good, by the way. No, just kidding. I had a wedding. It was nice. It was nice to go to, but it was fun. Ended up driving back earlier today, so ended up getting back. Had about 10 minutes to chill right into an hour podcast for the AFC East. So now I did that. Now I'm on the second leg of the non-Barbenheimer back-to-back for podcasts. As I'm doing baseball right now. Busy day, but nice to go through some baseball games. Well, the bigger question is how many phone numbers did you score while, while wearing the tux? That's that's what the listeners want to know. Oh, that's classified. Oh, okay. I don't that's, get that's some private now. information. We don't get into Scott's private life. Uh, all right. Yeah, you guys know how we do it here on Fridays. We keep it casual. We give our log dog and total, and we'll kick the tires uh, on some stuff happening around uh, MLB, whether it's division races, playoff races, stuff like that. Uh, I know TVDBJ wanted us to touch on the NL Central. Uh, division race. We'll, we'll get into that uh, at the um, latter part of the show. Um, but yeah, Scott, let's just dive right into it, man. We'll, we'll get to our picks here and then we'll, we'll kick the tires on some stuff like we usually do. Uh, let's start here with uh, let's start with our totals uh, picks for the Saturday games. Uh, you want to lead us off? Sure. Uh, so for the total play, I'm going to go to a matchup between the Rays and the Tigers, which actually will be an early start around 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'm on the under at eight and a half. I think this line's too high. Savali will be making his first appearance with the Rays, but we know that he's been pretty solid so far this season. Meanwhile, you know, you're looking at Scooball, who has not really gone much length, but he has been very solid so far this season, even though, once again, he did miss some time to start the year. But you're looking at the performances recently. And Savale uh, does have a 2.34 ERA. He's been very solid, and that's why it was a pretty good pickup for Tampa to get him. Scooball was good for the most part. Did struggle last start, though, against Miami. In fact, he has not been good in two of his last three. But his ERA at home this season, zero. He's not allowed a single earned run at home. So I think that he's in line to pitch pretty well here. It's mostly just fading two offenses out on trust. Tampa's offense, which was good to start the year, has kind of been struggling a bit for the past month and change. We know Detroit can't hit. So eight and a half, I think it's just too high of a total. I maybe wouldn't mind the first five team total, uh, first five under, if you Mm. want to play it safe. But I think this total for a full game is a little bit too high in general. Give me the under eight and a half. Yeah, I was looking at this game uh, earlier as well. Uh, I was considering the Rays as my dog pick uh, for the Saturday games. Uh, But it's everything that you mentioned, right? Tark Scooble has been great uh, at home. That kind of scared me away. But Aaron Savali in his career... Uh, is familiar, obviously, with this Detroit Tigers team coming over from the Guardians uh, now to the Rays to face uh, a, a AL Central team here. And he's been really good uh, in his career against the um, Detroit Tigers. And I, I have this uh, information up, but um, he was, I think, a perfect 4-0 since the 2020 season. 
against the uh, the Detroit Tigers, and he had covered, or the Guardians had covered at the time when he was with the Guardians, um, every single run line in those four starts. I believe it was 4-0 and as well. I'm trying to pull it up here as we speak. But, um, yeah, uh, I can't argue against it. This number feels a little high as well. Again, the pitching the Rays has been decimated by injuries over the last several seasons. Now we got the news about Shane McClanahan here as well. Um, I think again. he might. Yeah, again, it happens every single year with this guy. But um, it seems like the Aaron Savali move was was a good one uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. But yeah, kind of going back here to the 2020 season. Aaron Savali six and zero in his career against the Tigers, four and one on the run line. The over under is uh, four and two to the under, uh, and as shockingly, three of those matchups um, of the six against the Tigers were against Tarek Skubal, and two of those three ended up going under the total uh, with the final scores of six to one, four to one, and the other one did go over at nine to three. But um, yeah, I, I like this pick on the under for this game. Uh, between the Tigers and the Rays with Aaron Savali and Tarek Skubal on the mound for Scott's total pick. Um, all right, for my total pick, I'm going to go over to a team total. And it's almost like my philosophy. If it's not broken, don't try to fix it. I know it's not posted yet, but I'm assuming this number is probably going to come out around at five and a half. If you're able to find a five with big on the over, I'm going to go with the Phillies team total uh, over and it's simply just fading Alec Marshier of the um Kansas City Royals. If you kind of just take a look at his numbers and his games that he has started this season for the um, Kansas City Royals, and there's been some stretch that he's come out of the, out of the bullpen. But um, in the month of July, he made four starts for the uh, Kansas City Royals. He had an ERA of 6.16, and the uh, Royals lost, lost three out of those four games in the month of July by two-plus runs. If you also want to go back to the month of June where he faced the Dodgers, uh, he allowed five earned runs in just four innings pitched there. So what he's given up, at least in those five starts, he's allowed four earned runs, five earned runs, two, two, and five. But we'll kind of put it over the top as well. The Royals' uh, bullpen has not been very good, uh, not only for the season-long stats, but especially over the last two weeks as well. Team ERA in their bullpen of 5.54, which is the fifth worst in the majors. Uh, they have an expected FIP in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, let's see here, which is 5.51, which leads the majors. Um, so I think the Phillies bats can really get it going here against the Kansas City Royals. So Phillies team total uh, over five, five and a half. I, I, I don't see a world where they can't get over this number unless the bats are absolutely cold. But Phillies team total from here, Scott, for uh, the Saturday games. Yeah, I've seen Marsh pitch. I'm not a fan, so don't really have much more to add. <laughs> All right, before we get into our dog picks for the Saturday games, uh, let me tell everyone about the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon is a perfect for the diehard DGen. Sign up for the Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 first place prize, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast and ad-free uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being DGENs. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. The Sports Gambling Podcast has and always will give out all their picks for free. The Patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling. So to get all the details about our Patreon page, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com 
slash Patreon. All right, Scott, let's get into our dog picks for the Saturday schedule. What do you got for us? So my dog pick, I'm going to go with something that's actually not even on the board. It's going to be a player prop, but I think you're going to co-sign it. I see a matchup between the White Sox and the Guardians, and I see that Noah Syndergaard is on the mound, which means I'm going to go to a player prop. Give me Tim Anderson's stolen base. I don't know if I need to add anything more to that. We know Syndergaard <laughs> is probably the worst starting pitcher, one of the worst starting pitchers of all time at holding runners on. We saw the Astros, despite struggling offensively against him in his last start, Tucker and Altuve stole a base in the first inning. Then Altuve stole another base later in the game. They stole a bunch of bases against Cleveland uh, with uh, Syndergaard on the mound. I know Anderson bats the top of the order. He's, I think, one behind the team lead for steals, but he also missed some time. Yeah. So the point is, I do think, once again, he's the most likely to steal a base against Syndergaard. But it's going to be a plus money. And I, th- I think when you're looking at what should be somewhere in the plus 150, plus 170 range, I think that's what Altuve and Turner were. Uh, last game, or Tucker, I mean, last game. But you're looking at Syndergaard once again, who lets runners run on him all the time. Anderson's been kind of getting into form lately, and we know he's a very good contact hitter. He won a batting title or two. I can see him getting a single and stealing second. But give me Anderson to steal a base against Syndergaard at probably close to plus 160, plus 170. Yeah, I mean, I think our our guys in the chat, especially Captain Insano, has been uh, a proponent of stolen bases against Noah Syndergaard. And again, if you watched... When he's on the mound, I mean, one of the slower deliveries in the uh, MLB, which definitely allows guys to get stolen bases. I think you and I talked about this last week as well. I think we were on the uh, Friday show last week, uh, or sorry, the Saturday show last week, talking about uh, stolen base props with uh, Noah Syndergaard uh, getting his first start for the Guardians against the Astros team. And lo and behold, you know, Altuve, guys like Bregman and and Tucker were were able to get stolen bases against him. So, uh, yeah. I uh, can't argue against that. Any any stolen base prop against Noah Syndergaard uh, is always um, a great bet when he is pitching on the mound. Uh, all right, for my uh, dog play of the Saturday schedules, there's two that I liked. Um, I'm going to go... Let's go with the... I'm going to go with the Baltimore Orioles on the run line. And this is simply me just fading the New York Mets. And I think the Mets are going to be a team in these, these final couple of months of the regular season, a team that is going to be a team or a game by game basis where we want to bet on overs because we can argue that they lost two of their best pitchers. I know they weren't doing very good on the road for Verlander and Scherzer. Um, but now you have the likes of David Peterson getting starts. And now Tyler McGill gets a start here for the Mets on Saturday. The bullpen still sucks. Yeah, and the bullpen has been atrocious as well. So, and you have a Baltimore Orioles team here that has been on absolute fire over the past, we could say, the month uh, as they have taken over the lead in the AL East division. I know Kyle Gibson is on the mound here, who's kind of been up and down this season for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but this Mets team is just in disarray. He has a respectable record, does Gibson, at 10 and 6 with a 4.53 uh, ERA on the season. He's been pretty solid over his last five starts uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, where he has a 2-0 record with a 3.86 ERA. Um, the Orioles have won four of his last five starts. And again, he's only allowed, let's see, a combined six runs in the last 18 innings that he has pitched for the Baltimore Orioles. And again, this is just a simple fade for me 
of the New York Mets. Uh, we've seen the fielding errors that they've made. We saw the walk-off bulk that they lost onto the Royals. Um, and now you're going up against one of the hotter teams in the entire MLB in the Baltimore Orioles. I think that the bats uh, will be able to get to uh, Tyler McGill in this game. So Baltimore Oriole at a plus 140 price on the run line. I'm going to take that all day. So I'll take the run line for the Baltimore Orioles at plus 140 as my dog pick of the Saturday games. I like that play too. I mean, I was laughing anyway before envisioning the walk-off balk, but the Mets have completely fallen apart. And that was intentional because they traded away the entire team. So the Mets basically sold, and I always wonder right after trading away a lot of key pieces, team morale, because you might end up seeing some teams really just roll over and die because the front office definitely doesn't want to really make a case with regard to trying to keep the band together because the team wasn't doing anything to begin with. So now Mm -hmm. you have a lot of unproven commodities or maybe proven to be bad commodities, but they keep trying to be thrown out there. The Mets have nothing to play for because the front office made a statement to the rest of the team. If you're still here, you won't be for that much longer because we're blowing up the entire roster. The Mets don't care. I mean, the series against the Royals was embarrassing. The extra innings loss was a disgrace because I know Alvarez had the two-run homer in the 10th. They -hmm. gave up three runs, I think, in the bottom of the 10th. It was a mess, that entire series. The Mets are playing for nothing. Baltimore's competing for the one seed in the AL, so motivation does matter. I'm with you. I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm with the Orioles minus one and a half. All right. Before we get over to our lock picks of the Saturday schedule, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. The NFL season is right around the corner, and Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props and is available in a ton of markets. Plus, plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contests. And, of course, make sure to enter Best Ball Mania 4, where first place gets three – million dollars head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code sgpn for a 100 deposit bonus again that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code sgpn all right scott let's get into our lock picks for the saturday schedule what you got for the listeners yes uh the, so there was a trade involving the mets a couple days ago maybe you heard about it and oh, uh we're on i think there's a double lock for us but go ahead <laughs> i think it's going to be because i've mentioned this time and time again on the show it doesn't matter how bad his numbers are it doesn't matter how well the yankees are playing the yankees cannot hit justin verlander they can't do it verlander has owned this team for the last five or six years and i'm not getting involved give me or i'm not going to step in front of it give me the astros money line at around minus 135. The line's going to balloon up. Yep. I know the Yankees offensively have been better the last couple of days. Uh, they actually won a game against Javier because it's the only pitcher they can beat on Houston. But they ended up uh, winning that game in the series opener. Houston's still the better team. And when you're looking at uh, Verlander, who shut down this exact team a couple weeks ago, again, the Yankees can't hit him. I've mentioned yep. it several times this season. Nothing has changed. Verlander still dominates. Start in, start out against the Yankees. Cortez also coming off the IL. We know he didn't exactly go much length to start the year anyway. And he got destroyed the third time around the batting order. They would kill him in the fifth inning every time. So Cortez in his first start back in a while might be on a pitch count. We'll see how he does. But I'm not going to overreact to the Yankees winning a series opener. I think looking at Verlander once again dominating the Yankees like he always has at a pretty good price with the much better team 
is always going to be worth consideration. Give me the Astros money line at minus 135, and I'm assuming you have the exact same thing with the exact same talking points. Yes, sir. I have the Astros uh, on the money line here as well. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. So uh, Justin Verlander, when he did get traded from the Tigers to the Astros back in 2017, has made 12 starts against his Yankees team. That includes the games that um, he's pitched uh, as a pitcher for the Mets uh, as well uh, in the two starts that he did have this season. And in those 12 starts since the 2017 season, I know that obviously lineups and things like that change, but it seems like the Yankees relatively the, – the the core guys have stayed the same. They're paying uh, but, the core guys like hundreds of millions of dollars. They can't get rid of them, so yeah. they're, they're stuck with the same core. So Justin Verlander in that span, in those 12 starts, it's 10-2 and two against the Yankees. Um, the under is 9-3 and three in those games, but I think the one thing that really stuck out to me is that the Yankees are, are averaging 2.42 runs in those 12 starts made by Justin Verlander. So um, and again, this is not new territory for Justin Verlander, right? Being with his Astros organization for, for what, three, four, five seasons. He's won two World Series titles with them. So it's not like he has to get familiar with the catchers. Uh, I believe Martin Maldonado will probably still catch his games um, for Justin Verlander. But again, going back to the two starts this season that he already had against the Yankees, he faced against Garrett Cole. Uh, and then Domingo Herman, and uh, in those two games, uh, he took care of business where the Mets won four to three and nine to three uh, in those two games. So again, it's just the fact that he's been so dominant against them. Yeah, the strikeout numbers have been there as well, um, and I don't anticipate the Yankees scoring more than three runs in this game. Um, and the Astros again going up against Nestor Cortez. Historically, he's been really good against the Astros, but it's it's a it's, it's a concern with the IL. That's such a terrible exactly. Spot. Yeah, so uh, we don't know how long Cortez is going to go, and if he does get through the first or gets through this lineup the first few times, like Scott mentioned, it's always that third time through the order where Nestor Cortez got, does get into trouble. So uh, I do expect Justin Verlander to, to throw another gem here for the Astros. So uh, double lock on the show here, Astros, money line minus 135. And again, that number is probably, like uh, Scott mentioned, I think this number will probably close 150, 150 maybe north yeah. of 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for uh, for Verlander, there's some value on that run line right now. I see that plus one twenty five uh, at a couple books. If you want to take the minus one and a half, but I'm comfortable laying that minus one thirty five uh, with the Astros and Verlander. I'm with you. Uh, all right, Scott, let's kick some tires on a few things. I know some guys mentioned in the chat they want us to maybe talk about uh, the uh, NL Central matchup, which is tightening up a little bit here. Uh, so I'll pull up the standings here. And then we can kind of you know go through uh, which teams maybe offer some value or who we think could still win this AL Central uh, division. So right now, as it stands, the Milwaukee Brewers have a half a game lead over the Cincinnati Reds, uh, and then it's the Chicago Cubs who are three games out. Um, the Cincinnati Reds, I think, really fumbled the bag at the trade deadline where they didn't do anything to address their starting pitching. And we kind of saw it on full display in that series against the Cubs where they allowed them to score, I think, 10-plus runs in two out of the three games. What did they score again? 36 runs in two games? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up exactly here. They scored 16 in the final game. I think they scored 20 the game before that. Yeah, so they scored. Let's see. So the the Reds won the first game 6-5, to but they gave up five. Then they lost 20-9 to in the second game of the series. They lost 16-6 to in the third game of the series. 
And then on Thursday night, they lost the game five to three uh, against the Cubs. So they gave up five runs plus in every game. Yeah, pretty much. So they they gave, I mean, so they won three out of the four, obviously, to the Cubs. I know they have a tough series this weekend against the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves uh, took care of business against the Cubs pretty much in one inning where they scored seven against the Cubs and they won that game eight nothing to the Braves. But for me, I feel like this might just turn into a two horse race between the Brewers and the Cubs. I know the big, sexy, and attractive pick earlier the season when when Cruz came up uh, to the major leagues was the Cincinnati Reds, but the the pitching is the huge concern for this Reds team right now. I don't know what you have thoughts on on the Reds, uh, and then we can kind of get to the Cubs and the Brewers. The Reds are fun, but at the end of the day, when you get into the colder months and you're in the most important portion of the season, you need good pitching. And I know Matthew just mentioned that Woodruff's coming back. That's a big boost for Milwaukee. Woodruff is really good every year when he comes back from injury. He's always hurt, but when he comes back, he's really good. Uh, But I do think when you're looking at the combination there of Woodruff and Burns, not to mention the fact that Milwaukee already dominated the series against the Reds. I believe they won that 10-3, I think. The Reds left a lot of games on the table uh, by not taking advantage of divisional matchups. And I do think you're looking at the Cubs, who have been playing a lot better. I know that, once again, the Cubs got shelled today. I'm not a Hendricks guy. I think Hendricks has passed his prime, and he was never a strikeout pitcher anyway. He always pitched a contact. So I'm not shocked that he's gotten destroyed for the last couple of starts. I guess that's really the question here, because the Cubs' offense has gotten a lot better. I was a big fan of the Condelario pickup. I know he went 0 yes. for today, but he was, he's was he been really good since they mm-hmm. acquired him. Bellinger's been great. We know Hap's very talented. This lineup's deep. The question that I have for you is, do you like this rotation enough? Uh, so I think it's going to depend on what Stroman is able to do once he does return from the IL, right? He's we been know a mess for a month and change. Yeah. So. In the month of July. Um, and even beyond that. So the, I think the only consistent pitcher really has been Justin Steele. Who's in not really in the Cy Young conversation, but is going to be considered for it in the national league. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of go through the starting rotation for this, uh, uh, the Cubs team here, and I'm, I'm pulling up their guys. It's it's Justin Steele, and it's pretty much a significant fall off off of that, right? It's Marcus Stroman, like we just touched on, Drew Smiley, who got lit up uh, in the in the games against the Reds, and then Jamison Tyone, and then, like we mentioned, Kyle Hendricks as well. So that's a terrible rotation. Yeah, besides Steele, especially with Stroman now on the shelf. Yeah, so uh, I think they're ex- obviously exciting. I mean, the the batting has been absolutely phenomenal for this team, which has kind of kept them in that division race. Cause you kind of look at the standings and I think there's only two teams in this division that have a plus run differential. Actually, the, I'm sorry. The Cubs are the only team that have a plus run differential uh, in the NL central plus 71. The Brewers are at minus two who are the division leaders right now. And the Cincinnati Reds are at minus 19. And it's a great point. Um, I think what you said, Michael brought it up in the chat um, about Brent. I'm oh, sorry, Matthew bringing it up in the chat that Brandon Woodruff is going to return for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers and Corbin Burns. I know you and I talked about it a lot has been absolutely fantastic uh, post all-star break. So I think, so let me look at the division odds here right now. And I, I know the, when I was looking at this, that the Brewers were a odds on favorite to win this division, rightfully so. Um, They're currently see. half game up on Cincinnati, the three games up on Chicago. Yeah. So Brewers minus 110 plus 180 for the Reds and the Cubs are plus 350. Um, And kind of just looking at the remaining uh, strength of schedule, the 
Brewers have the fifth easiest schedule remaining. And then the Cubs are right behind them with, I think, the eighth most easy schedule remaining. And I think that number is obviously going to take a dip once they get done with their games against the uh, the Atlanta Braves. So I think right now, I mean, it is a minus price, but I just feel like the experience and the pitching uh, advantage or the better pitching rotation for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, you're probably just going to create that separation. I, I, I know I don't like laying a minus 110 price, but... It's kind of hard to argue against the Brewers, especially when they are going to get Brandon Woodruff back. The way that I look at it, once again, we were all trying to make picks against Milwaukee earlier this season because Milwaukee went through a little bit of a youth movement there where they called up some prospects early on, and now they called up another prospect who's been really good in the outfield for the last couple of weeks. But people get bored by Milwaukee because they're very good at pitching and they don't score many runs. They're just not a very sexy team to watch. So a lot of people kind of automatically look for the team to fall apart because if the pitching folds a little bit, they can't offset it with good offense. And the argument is if Chicago can keep the offense rolling and maybe the pitching can round into form, the team will be a serious threat. The Reds, that was the case when they met all the, when they went on the massive run, when they called up Ellie. The offense was great. The pitching wasn't very good, but if it became even mediocre, they'd be able to you know win a bunch of games. But the problem that you run into with those teams that I mentioned – they really don't have good rotations. The Reds yeah. did nothing, which was a serious problem for me. I thought they should have went for it. They didn't go for a single starting pitcher that was worth a damn. And Luke Weaver has been one of their better starters recently, which is a serious red flag. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sold on Cincinnati, but you're looking at Chicago. Stroman was really, really good, like Cy Young favorite good for a couple months. Then he started the game in London, had a blister, and a season fell apart after that. But you're going yeah. through the rest of the rotation that you said. Hendricks has been a gas can. Smiley's been a gas can. And Tyone, I've mentioned time and time again, the Cubs' record in his starts. It's really, really bad. So besides Justin Steele, they don't really have anybody. Now, the bullpen's been a better. Alzalea's been a pretty good closer for that team. But still, the point is, I have concerns about the pitching for both units. And even though Milwaukee is a boring team to watch, they are. They are not fun to watch. You still have Burns, you now have Woodruff, you have Peralta, who's been a little bit better lately. I know he's been a little bit up and down this season, yeah. and Miley's been good. You yep. have four solid starters, and your bullpen with Williams and Piamps and even Uribe, who's been really good, who they called up a couple weeks ago. Their pitching staff is really solid, so if you want to go by experience and a team that will find ways to win very ugly games, I'll probably lean to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I think the Cubs will pass the Reds at some point because at least the Cubs, the offense has been going, but that rotation is such a serious problem for me, for both the Reds and the Cubs. I think I'm going to have to lean to Milwaukee. And they also added Carlos Santana, who's a nice switch hitter. I praised that move at the time. But yeah. I think that, once again, the offense isn't great. It's serviceable. It's a standard I'm going to win 85 games type of team in a season, maybe like 87. And that's probably good enough to win this division. Yeah, I agree. Um, And historically, their um, bullpen has been pretty solid. I know this season they've been kind of middle of the pack and in the entire MLB as far as team ERA and those stats go. But But the final three inning guys are usually nails. Yeah, 100%. And again, if they're able to just be a little bit better on the offensive side of the baseball – um, I do think that the Brewers will win this division. Again, it's kind of telling, like we mentioned, that the Reds didn't really do anything to make an acquisition for their uh, pitching rotation. That is such a missed opportunity. 
Yeah, I know. Again, I know they're missing Nicola Dolo and Hunter Green, but I don't know how much that really moves the needle uh, for this Reds team. So, also not sure when they're coming back. There's rumors of when they might, but you don't know how yeah. they're going to look. Also, they're suddenly thrust back into not even just games, meaningful games in September. Like that's a really risky proposition. Yeah, and I know like, Nick, Nick, Nick Lodolo was really struggling uh, for the Reds team uh, prior to his injury. So, I mean, I know it's I mean it's a chalk play, but I mean for everything that we just discussed, it really feels like the, it's Brewers' division to lose, especially with how good their pitching rotation is compared to the Cubs and the Reds, who are also the contention for this NL Central division. I wouldn't even mention it, by the way, for the Reds. That bullpen is disastrous. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, uh, and again, if you're, there's only so many games that you can win by outscoring your opponent eventually, like the law of averages is going to kick in where your bats may go cold for a stretch. And that might just create the separation for, you know, teams like the Brewers and even the Cubs catching the Reds. So um, it just feels like it's going to be a two horse race between the Brewers and the, and the Cubs uh, as we kind of get towards the uh, latter part of the season here. Um, Anything else that's kind of stuck out to you around the league here, uh, Scott? Uh, not really. Uh, Matthew kind of had the point that I thought, which was the Reds should have easily traded Jonathan India. Now, of course, it's going to yeah. look obvious now because he got injured. But I thought that if you're going for a starting pitcher, India was being kind of mentioned in a lot of potential trades. And his numbers were fine, I guess. But I felt like he was a bigger name than actual producer, mm-hmm. to be honest. So yeah. I would have traded India in a second and gotten a starting pitcher, even a mediocre one, just somebody who could throw into the rotation. But the Reds just decided to let the kids play, and it's probably going to cost them down the stretch. Yeah, and I think at this point in the season, it, it's uh, it's going to be fun to kind of keep an eye on some of these or five out of the six division races. Only one division at this juncture of the season has been decided, which is the NL East, where the Atlanta Braves are now 70 and 37 and have a 12 game lead. But all the rest of the divisions, um, first and second place in the five out of the six remaining divisions are only separated by three games or le- oh, sorry, two and a half games or less. Uh, AL East, Orioles, and Rays are separated by two games. Twins and Guardians, two and a half. Rangers and Astros, one and a half. Uh, like we just mentioned, the Brewers and the Reds and the Cubs will throw in their three games separating those teams. And then the Dodgers and the Giants are separated by only two and a half games. Um, for uh, the updated standings right now. I can't now, believe so. that's only two and a half, by the way. It feels like the Dodgers are up by about 30, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, nobody's and talked it, about the Giants or Diamondbacks. Well, Diamondbacks have imploded, but nobody's talked yeah. about the Giants for months. It feels like the Dodgers are up by about 10 games, and they're up by two and a half. Yeah, they, I mean, quietly, the Giants have won seven out of the last 10 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamondbacks have lost seven out of the last 10 games, and then uh, the Dodgers are five and five in their last 10 games. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, again, we'll, we'll kind of go through these uh, divisions quickly as we kind of wind down this season on, on these uh, Saturday episodes. So, um, yeah, tune in with us uh, for the rest of the season. And I think that's pretty much going to do it here, Scott. Anything else we want to mention before we get out of here? Oh, uh, yeah, just one thing. Yeah. Uh, just to recap my plays. I got oh, yeah, the Astros recap money plays, Yeah. I got the Astros money line as my lock. I have the under eight and a half in the Rays and Tigers game as my total play. And my dog is Tim Anderson, stolen base against Syndergaard. Yeah. And then my lock is also going to be the Astros on the money line. I would uh, put something on the run line as well if you want some plus odds. Uh, dog play is going to be the Baltimore Orioles run line minus one and a half plus 140 against the Mets with Kyle Gibson and Tyler McGill on the mound. And then for my total play, 
I'm going to go with the Phillies team total over uh, just fading Alec Marsh of the Kansas City Royals and their bullpen as well. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. We'll be back uh, sometime Sunday evening to get to the Monday games for the new week. So look out for us then. Uh, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Radio. If Rice Radio, if you haven't already, subscribe to the MLB Gambling Podcast uh, YouTube channel. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Also like the live stream if you guys are watching with us live. Uh, and also make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, you can follow us at, at MLB SGPN and on Instagram at MLB Gambling Podcast. And if you haven't rated, left us a rating or review, go ahead and do so. And most importantly, come join the Patreon page uh, for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, again, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. A lot of the usual suspects have already signed up. It's a good time in the Discord channel uh, chopping up with everyone. And a lot of great DFS contests and season-long contests uh, are happening right now. Uh, they're all free to enter. It's always a great time uh, chopping it up. So come join the Patreon page, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. All right, that is going to do it. Till then, good luck with your bets this weekend. Let's break these books off and let it ride.